Welcome to the Dropship Podcast, where you'll learn how to build and grow a high-ticket dropshipping business and hear stories from successful e-commerce entrepreneurs. Let's kick this thing off. Hey, welcome back to the Dropship Podcast. John here with you, and today we have another solo episode. So in a recent episode, you will remember if you've been listening in that I did a website teardown on a website called Next Fireplace, which was a live and operating high-ticket dropshipping business. The owner, Jesse, there had asked me to dive into some of his business stuff and have a look through, uh, you know, and share like what I thought of what was going on, what I would improve, what could be different, where the opportunities lie, because he he felt like while he'd been running his business for a while, and the business isn't an old, old business, but it's also not a new business, uh, he felt he was struggling a bit with conversions uh, and wanted to get some insight in what could be done better. So he volunteered his site. These sessions were actually originally recorded in one of our, in the Dropship Breakthrough Facebook group, which you can join. So I do these sort of sessions pretty much every week in that Facebook group, and you can actually join them live, which, so, which is a pretty cool thing to do. You can join live, watch along as I'm doing it, and you can ask questions. I reply to people live in the sessions. And so if you'd like to do that, you'll find a link to that Facebook group in the show notes. So just look in the show notes uh, or, the, or the description of this video if you're watching along on YouTube and you'll find a link to that group. You can go and join and watch along with these sessions, join these sessions live as well as, you know, be part of the high ticket dropshipping discussion that's happening in there every day. It's free, completely free. So get in there now. In this session, I'm walking through the business's Google Ads account, primarily looking at the Google shopping campaigns. Uh, and so if you're somebody who's got a high ticket dropshipping business up and running, there's going to be stuff in here for you because you're probably running Google ads. If you're planning to start a high ticket dropshipping business and you want to start getting some insight into how the marketing happens, well, this is going to be for you as well because you will see we'll spend most of the time in the first three sort of campaigns that you're going to set up for a brand new business. If you run some other sort of e-commerce business and you just love listening into the the dropship breakthrough, uh, the dropship podcast will still be for you. There's going to be some insights you can draw, but just keep in mind that I think the way we do Google shopping for high ticket dropshipping is not unique, but it's not exactly the same way that you would do it for all e-commerce businesses. So if you're selling low ticket products, you might have a different approach in the Google ads account. So just bear that in mind, but there's still going to be a lot of knowledge and things that will apply anyway. Uh, so well worth watching this episode. I had a fun one doing this. It was the first time I've ever done this sort of thing with the Google ads account live and publicly. So uh, it was a good experience. Join me now. Let's dive into the account. So we can see um, that Jesse is uh, in this account um, for Next Fireplace is using um, a a three shopping campaign uh, or a three tiered campaign setup, which is what we recommend at Dropship Breakthrough that you use for a high ticket dropshipping business. This for quite some time has been the best way to run Google Shopping ads for high ticket products. Right, so as opposed to low ticket products, which is a different cup of tea, or other e-commerce products, or other types of you know whatever, um, this is the way that is for for quite some time now being the most reliable and profitable way to run Google Shopping ads for this type of business, not performance max ads or anything like that. This is this is the way we do it. It's a very particular way of doing it. It requires an exact setup to make it work correctly. To talk through some elements of that, obviously, as we're doing it here. I'm not going to go through the whole this is how you set it up thing because we teach that over like 20 something videos in our course. Um, and that takes quite a bit of time, which we're not going to have today. And I'm not going to do that publicly anyway. Um, so, uh, yeah, so we've got the three campaigns here. It's looking through the account here. Uh, I mean, Jesse's obviously tested uh, a whole bunch of other things over time. Um, I can see there's some other versions of that three campaign setup that's not live now. We can see we've got some retargeting happening here, display retargeting, which is uh, a good idea uh, and some search text ads. So I'll come back to those smaller campaigns um, if we have time on the session, but we're going to focus our attention here on these um, these uh, 
campaigns that we're running here. Now, one of the things I'll say is there's a lot of other shopping campaigns in here that are not live at the moment. Um, and, uh, you know, I think something to think about with your Google Ads account, there, there's a balance between storing data that is useful and like over kind of cluttering your account. So it's, which makes it harder to manage. And I think sometimes if things are harder to manage, you know, that doesn't directly affect performance of ads. But if things are harder to manage, um, you're not going to do a good job of managing them. And that in, indirectly does affect your performance. And I did notice the same thing um, when we went and looked at the uh, negative keyword lists, which we'll get into. Um, you know, that it was, it, was, it was all a little bit on the confusing side for me. So I think if you, you think about... Um, you know, keeping your campaign nice, your, your account nice and clean. Sometimes you do keep campaigns that you're not running anymore. Like if you have a plan to use them again in the future, like a definite plan to use them again in the future, you just pause them temporarily, you leave them in there. If they have data in them that you actually think you want, then you might keep them in there for a period of time. Like, I mean, if you've got an account that's three years old and you've got a campaign that you ran three years ago and you haven't looked at it in three years, you're not going to look at it. Just delete it. So if you've got stuff in your account that you don't really have any plan for, you tested something, maybe it didn't work out. I mean, keep a record of it somewhere, but I would tend to just get rid of some of these campaigns. I don't see that you should ever need to go back to a lot of these campaigns and it just it's just unnecessary stuff in your account that you've got to sort of sort through when you're trying to find things that you actually want. So um, just a little tip there. So looking at our three campaign strategy, of course, um, just, you know, a really quick overview of what's going on here for anybody who might be watching that's not familiar with this method. Um, it's historically referred to called search query level bidding. That's what the strategy is called uh, technically in the ad industry lingo, if you like. Um, we call it Ben, uh, my business partner, Dropship Breakthrough, coined it as the inverted shopping funnel, um, which is tends to be how we refer to it a lot. Um, it go, can go by other names. But essentially, what we're seeking to do here is to put out the search terms. So Google Shopping Ads, you don't set search terms, right? Google sends you search terms that it thinks are relevant to the products that you're seeking to advertise based on the data that you're providing to them in your Google Merchant Center account. So things like the product title, the product description, uh, information about images, et cetera, et cetera. Google looks at all of that information, then looks at search terms and says, yes, this we think this search term is relevant because of what you've got there, right? So that's how you get search terms in your Google Shopping Ads. It's not, you don't go and tell Google which ones you want, but you can tell them which ones you don't want right? And we call those negative keywords. So if you think about the wide gamut of search terms that might be out there, you you have everything, um, you know, and, and we're talking about if we just flip over to Jesse's site here, and I've just pulled up a, a random product uh, here, we can see this product is called a Blaze Premium LTE 30-inch built-in gas griddle with lights, right? So if we think about the wide gamut of terms that Google may find to be relevant to this uh, to this particular product it could be something as simple as gas griddle or it could be blaze gas griddle or it could be blaze premium lte 30 inch built-in gas griddle right that, that that'll be a search term I'd, I'd be willing to bet that some people search who are looking for this specific product and this is one of the reasons that we use google shopping immediately when we start running uh, a high ticket dropshipping business. One, because we can just switch it on and get instant traffic. But two, we can easily get our ads in front of people who are searching for this exact product, which means they're at the bottom of the funnel and they're ready to buy, uh, as well as people who are a little bit further up the funnel. Now, Google Shopping works best at the bottom of the funnel. So when somebody searches a term like gas griddle, for example, we don't necessarily know which gas griddle they want to buy. Like So you've got to think about whenever you're analyzing search terms and evaluating search terms, you've always got to be putting yourself in the customer's shoes and trying to get into the psychology of what's going on when they make that search. So if somebody searches gas griddle, they do not know exactly which gas griddle they want to buy. They might be interested in buying a gas griddle, 
but they're still going through a process of working out maybe what size they need, what features they need, uh, what are the brands out there in the market and what's the difference between those brands. And there's a long way from that search term often to uh, purchasing. And when you're talking about high ticket products, like, you know, $2,300 product here, that process could happen over weeks. It's not happening often on the same day. Whereas if somebody searches Blaze LTE 30-inch, you know, built-in gas griddle in Google, they're looking for this, right? They're looking for this exact product. And you don't make that search term unless you're looking to buy this product. Because once you've already bought it, you don't need to go back to Google usually and make that search term again, right? So you only make that sort of a search term when you're in the market for the product at least 90% of the time. So we have a very high certainty that if somebody searches something like that, then they're in the market to buy the product. And that's the great thing about Google Shopping for high ticket dropshipping business is because we're working with uh, existing brands and products in the marketplace. There are already people out there searching for those products. And so we are just meeting demand. We're capturing demand that already exists we're not trying to create demand, which is a much harder and much more expensive task. So if we can have those two sort of search terms, gas griddle, which is unlikely to convert, and Blaze Premium LTE 30-inch built-in blah, 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 which is much more likely to convert, those two keywords have a different value to our business. One is very valuable. One is not so valuable because of the chance of a conversion happening. And so what we're trying to do, if you just had a single Google shopping campaign um, and you can set a bid, right? So it's pay-per-click advertising, you set a bid. So let's say I've got a single shopping campaign. You can only have one bid per product, right? So if I had just one Google shopping campaign, I set the same bid and that's going to apply for every keyword that is relevant to my products that Google wants to show me. So I'm going to pay the same amount for somebody who searches gas griddle, as I am for somebody who searches blaze, whatever it was, premium 30 inch, blah, blah, blah. So I'm going to pay, have to pay the same amount for the high value search term for my business as for the low value search term. Now, that's okay. I mean, you would get some of both of those and you would probably make some sales, but I want to maximize. I want to get in front of every single person who's searching for this really great search term. But to do that, I have to bid more. And so if I had a single shopping campaign to bid more on this one, I would have to bid more on this one. And there's going to be a lot more of this one. And so I'm going to end up overpaying on this one to get in front of this one. And it leads to extremely inefficient um, uh, Google shopping outcomes, if, if that's the case, because you're, there's much more traffic here and you're paying too much for it. And that blows the profit out of when you get sales on the good search terms. And this is one of the reasons why performance max ads don't really work. If anybody's out there wondering about these new shiny automated ads that Google keeps pushing on you, it's because Google doesn't understand that. They don't look at the keywords in the same way that we do as business owners. So that's why, so we have three campaigns because we can basically reverse engineer Google's Google shopping system and make Google show certain search terms in different campaigns using negative keywords, campaign priorities, and um, a couple of other little settings things, right? What that means is, is that because the, I can push different search terms into different campaigns, all with the same products in them, so we're talking about the same products, I can have different bids in each campaign. So let's say I push all of the really great search terms into one campaign. I can have high bids there and I can push all the less, the lower value search terms into another campaign and set lower bids there. And so I'm able to maximize my exposure to the better search terms while minimizing my exposure to the less good search terms. I can't completely eradicate them. You've got to have some of them coming in. That's just the way it works. But I can minimize my risk on those by having lower bids. So I pay less every time somebody clicks my ads on those. I'll get the odd sale on them still, but I'm going to get more sales on the better stuff or the middle of the road stuff. And so that's why we have the three campaigns. One campaign, um, the high priority campaign is, and this is just using the campaign priorities. This is high priority low priority, medium priority. There's three priorities. High priority campaign is where our low value search terms. This is why we call it an inverted funnel. It's a bit back. It sounds back to front. High priority is 
low value search terms. Medium priority is medium value search terms and low priority is high value search terms. So it's like in, it's inverted, it's reversed kind of thing, right? Now I'm not gonna go into the ins and outs of like blah, 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 all of that because we don't have time. It's, it's a, there's a much longer explanation here. I was just covering that in case there's people watching who are not, haven't had a go at running this yet. Hopefully that it makes some sense. So that's the three campaigns. So that's what the setup is here. Now, you know, generally for most people, the 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 split between those three things is going to be something along the lines of initially um, generic terms. So gas griddle is what you call a generic term because it includes no branded terms in it. So that would be your high priority, low value traffic, generic terms. Your medium priority is going to be people who search for the brand name, you know, plus some descriptive words. So blaze gas grill. So they're looking for a gas grill from a griddle from the company Blaze, but Blaze may have more than one. So you don't know exactly which product they want, but you know exactly which brand they're looking for. So that's medium value, medium priority usually. And then the low priority, highest value search terms for most businesses is going to include some sort of model identifier. Some identifier, it might be a model name, it might be a model number, it might be a SKU number could be a number of things, but some terminology that indicates an exact product that you have on your site. So for this one, it's going to be something like LTE 30-inch gas griddle, right? That's a, There's only going to be one of those, right, on this site, I'm assuming. Um, and, and you could couple that with Blaze as well. It could be Blaze, Premium, LTE 30-inch. But somebody, some people will just search like LTE 30-inch gas griddle. They'll They'll leave off the the blaze, but that's still um, identifiable to one product. So it's still the highest value search term. Now, there are some, once again, there are some variations on that. Some people will be in niches where there's not a lot of branding. Uh, so you can make this work in those spaces. Once again, I'm not going to dive into that right now um, because um, it's not relevant to this particular uh, business so much, but um, uh, that's just what we do. So we've got the three campaigns. Now, usually what you would, I'm going to go through this now as if I was kind of you know, I do audits for people and that sort of thing. I'm just going to go through it in that in that sense and, and point out where I see things that could be fixed, changed or whatever. So Jesse's got this running. Um, he's running the three campaigns with a total budget of $25 a day. So we use a shared budget for the three campaigns. There are uh, very good reasons for that. Um, and that, so I understand this business is on the US market. So you have to bear in mind, it would be probably more ideal if the ad account was in US dollars because you're going to be competing against people going into auctions that are at US dollars. So it's going to make your CPCs look a bit higher when they're expressed in Canadian dollars. Um, and uh, so if you were doing this in US dollars for the same market with the same products, the CPCs would look lower if you expressed it as a dollar term just because of the exchange rate between those two currencies. Um, so my sense is that $25 a day across three campaigns is probably on the low side. Usually we'd for the US market, we'd say start at 30 US dollars a day. Um, so obviously you know, the, the budget is what the budget is probably for a reason. Um, uh, and so if, if you're coming in with a slightly lower bu budget that one, than what might be ideal, usually for most people, $30 a day is a good starting point in the US, right? Um, unless you're in a bigger market with a lot of products, you know, but usually that's a good starting point. So probably a bit lower than where we want to be. If you, that's the case for you, you, you just have to manage your ads accordingly. And so we're going to talk a bit about that because the first problem that immediately appears here is that these campaigns are limited by budget. So this is one of the issues with the three campaign system we have is that there's a bit of a bug in Google's the Google ad system, which has existed forever. Uh, and because the way we do it is a really strange and obscure way compared to the entire Google ad system um, and all of its users, Google's not going to fix it right? But basically it means is when you've got a campaign that uses a campaign priority setting um, and that campaign is limit is in limited by budget status, which means that the campaigns want to spend more than the budget that you've set every day, the campaign priority settings will be overridden. Um, and, and often, not always, but often they'll be overridden and they won't 
it'll be operate like they don't apply. What that means is, is that keywords that you want to have in your high priority campaign will often end up in your medium priority campaign and your low priority campaign. And the problem with that is, of course, is that you have high bids in those campaigns. And so you end up paying more for the low value traffic than you want to and all your search terms that you've kind of set up here get all muddled up. And so we always want to keep our campaigns out of the limited by budget status if we can. And so if I look at just a yesterday, so I've been looking at a 30-day uh, date range here. So yeah, we can see we're getting up to the $25 a day there. So you can see what Google wants you to spend by clicking on this. So Google, it would say right now that to get out of limited by budget status, given the negative keyword setup and blah, 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 all of the things that apply to these campaigns, you have to spend $83 a day. Um, and so... That obviously may not be something that's possible. Now, if you were profitable in a profitable position, there is absolutely no reason why you would not be spending $83 a day. You should be if you were profitable. If you're not profitable at this level, then pumping up to $83 a day straight away is not going to fix that problem for you. Um, so you kind of have to sit there, like work out your profitability first and then start going up. So what that means is if you can't go to what Google's suggesting, like the goal here is always to spend the maximum amount on ads as you can. So if that's $1,000 a day and you can do that profitably, you should be spending $1,000 a day, right? You have no excuse not to. I mean, that can sound, um, uh, you know, scary to be thinking about spending that much a day when you start off very low, but that's that's what you're going for. Um, you know, if it's $100 a day, you should be spending $100 a day. If it's $200 a day, that's what you should be spending. But if you're not profitable, you need to work out your profitability first. You need to work out how to get your ads making sales in a more limited way and then boost up your budget. And so I, I suspect that's the situation here. So moving on from that's the first problem we identify here. And as I go through, I'm going to talk a bit about, you know, well, how might you get out of that scenario with a more limited uh, budget set? Um you know, the next thing that strikes me immediately that there might be a bit of an issue here is that you know, we can see that the high priority and the medium priority have about the same amount of impressions and the low priority is very low on impressions. So um, usually what you would see is this will have the most impressions and then medium will have the next lowest impressions, but the gap will be larger and there'll be a fairly even reduction between the three. So the low priority always has the least amount of, of impressions in it because um, there's always the, the least amount of people in any market are at the bottom of the funnel. You think of a sales funnel, it's like this. So the high value search terms are down the bottom of the funnel. So it's, it's smaller, right? That's what it should look, that's, that's the effect you're looking for. Um, but the click-through rate should be higher on the low priority campaign than the high priority campaign and the medium priority campaign. So you sort of see that uh, the click-through rate would be lower on the high priority campaign and so on cascading down. Um, so that's something to bear in mind. You know, some other things that, that jump out immediately when we start considering the $25 a day budget is the average CPC in two of these campaigns is $2 and $3.13. So it's gonna, not going to take many clicks to blow through $25 a day at those sort of CPC levels. Um, all right. So diving in, we'll dive into... Um, so the, immediately here... What we're thinking about is, okay, so a, a little bit low on the budget, but if that's where the budget's got to stick to, then we've got to think about tightening up the spend because we want to get out of limited by budget. We don't want Google to be thinking that they need to be spending more than $25 a day on these three campaigns, right? So we need to get out of this limited by budget scenario because that's going to improve the campaign performance and make it more likely that sales come from that $25 a day. And if more sales come from $25 a day, then we can go up to $40 a day. And if the sales hold up there, we can go up to $50 a day and we can get up to that budget amount that Google wants to spend and worry less about um, tightening up. But for now, to get under this $25 a day every day, so we get out of the limited by budget status, we're going to have to think of ways in these campaigns that we can tighten things up. And so I'm going to dive into the high priority campaign. Remembering this is where um, we uh, have our 
um, lower value search terms, but this is where Google's going to want to send a lot of traffic. Um, uh, and so we can see here uh, that uh, Jesse has um, uh, ad groups for each brand, which I think is a good way to organize things for most accounts have, you know, the products ad groups. So you have campaigns, ad groups, then within each ad group, other products. So this is often a good way to do it because usually, you know, when you're trying to find individual products, you usually think of them by brand and also different brands have different margins. And so, you know, it can be a, an easy way to get into manage bids because you might have different bids for different brands based on how well they sell their margins. And we tend to think of everything by brand. And so this is usually for most people, once again, the best way to subdivide your campaigns. Um, and so, you know, um, we can see the, 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 diff the different brands in here. Um, it's important to note as well that your three campaigns internally and organization and the products that are live within them, they all have to match identically. And I mean like literally identically. If you have one product that is live in the low priority campaign that is not live in the high priority campaign, you're going to break the whole system and you'll get search terms going everywhere. So each campaign should be an exact down to the letter mirror image of each other. The only thing that is different are the campaign priorities, the bids, and the negative keywords that apply to those campaigns. Otherwise, they look identical. So looking in here, we're just going to dive into a random ad group here. So we go into the ad group. Jesse's got the ad group subdivided by item ID, which is fine. Some people will do this by custom labels, but I mean, you can do it by item ID. Um, and so these, a lot of these are going to be variants, I think, just um, having having a look at what's on his site. Uh, so, you know, I mean, there's there's a bunch of different variants and products getting some impressions, clicks, et cetera. Um, you know, click-through rate is not too bad for the high-priority campaign, not too worried about that. Um, what we want to go and start looking at, though, is what are the search terms in this campaign that are triggering the ad? So if we go into the search term report here, and I've got to say at this point in time, Google has two different interfaces they are running. So different accounts can look different. There's nothing I can do about that. If you look at your Google Ads account, it looks a little bit different to this. Google's just running two different interfaces at the moment. This is the, uh, the standard one. There's a newer one, which I like a lot less. I can't make it show on my screen. It's because I'm in a Google Partners account uh, rather than a standard Google account. But you can switch back to this, the same view that I'm looking at. There's an option either under tools or settings, I think if you click up here or somewhere on your screen where you can revert the view back to the classic, they might call it classic or something like that view. You should do that. I think it's better and easier to use. Um, the search term report though in some uh, accounts is under insights. There'll be a, a, an option on this left-hand menu that says insights. You'll find your search term reports under that tab, uh, but otherwise it's under keywords. So search term. So if I go in here, I'm on the last uh, last 30 days roughly. Uh, of data, um, these are the these are the search terms that are triggering ads in this particular ad group. So for this particular brand, so and you can go and look at your site while you're doing this. So it was Empire Comfort Systems. Uh, we see they sell fireplaces. Um, they've got a, a few products, not too many, just a few here. Um, no doubt with variations. So these are the, these are the exact uh, keywords, right? And so, you know, you've got to have a your your task here, particularly where you're looking to save some cash and and sort of alleviate budgetary pressures. If you're going to cut keywords out, this is the campaign you're doing it in the high priority campaign. These are the search terms that are less likely to convert. And so, you know, one of the ways that you can save yourself some budget firstly is to um, bring down your bids in this campaign. So at the moment, um, the average CPC that Jesse's actually paying is 53 cents over this time period we're looking at, 53 cents a click. Now, for me, that's probably on the high side um, for this campaign. Usually, I want to see that down around 20 or 30 Um 
you know, that's going to mean there's less traffic and less impressions. Yes. Uh, the, these bids, 90 cent bids, yes, it's Canadian dollars, but even then it's probably on the higher side. Um, you know, so I'd probably want to, while I'm trying to get my budget under control, and you could reverse this a bit later, I would probably bring down some of those bids because um, some of these search terms are not very, uh, are super generic. And so if you think of the market for fireplaces, and I mean, you've got a lot of different fireplaces on here from different brands and all of that sort of things. Like you don't know what any, like somebody searches gas fireplace, someone's actually got a decent click-through rate on some of these products. That's good. Um, but, you know, I mean, you know, gas fireplaces, like what gas fireplace do they want? Propane fireplace, what propane fireplace do they want? Like you, you just don't know. So your options with those search terms are either just to try and minimize the exposure you have to them um, or at least direct them towards the products on your site that you think are the best chance of a conversion, right? So if you've got five brands of gas fireplaces, they're not all going to convert at the same rate. There's going to be a particular brand that cut or two that customers like more than others. And so if you're going to get these sort of search terms, sometimes it can be helpful just to try and get a bit more exposure on the brands that are more popular in the market and the ones that are less popular often. But um, Or you know, fireplaces, that should be excluded, right? That, that should go in your master generic keyword list. It should not be allowed into any of your campaigns in that. Fireplaces, that is just so super generic. That person is not, there'll be lots of people that search something like that. There might be one or two who are in the market and then the chance that out of the 10 to 20 advertisers who are selling these products, they're going to land on you and buy from you. It's a very small chance, right? I'm not saying it doesn't happen. It does happen, but the amount of traffic that you have to buy in order to get that sale means that it's when it happens, it's probably not going to be profitable. Right, so you want to think about these sort of things, um, and really um, cut down on those. Um, you know, there's some in here that are more um, specific. Like even even if somebody was searching like large gas fireplace inserts versus fireplace inserts, like if you knew that in this particular brand they had a large fireplace insert like for a gas fireplace then you might say well that 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 nails it down to a bit closer to knowing that this brand does have a particularly particularly larger ones rather than small ones for example um you might let that in um so you know fireplace makeovers fireplace concepts so here's what i'm doing with these concepts is not a purchasing search term it's an informational search so i would exclude the word concepts or concept on broad match because that is not a converting search term ever right makeovers informational that person is looking for content um, so that they can get inspiration on what to do with an old fireplace they're not looking to buy right now they may buy a new fireplace at some point but you you're going you don't go after that sort of search them with google shopping ads that's like an organic traffic seo type search term right so you could do like a piece of content that's like best fireplace makeovers in 2023 for example and rank for that search term organically um, because you're where you're not paying for every single click that's unlikely to ever convert so once again makeovers uh, broad match uh, knock that out, negative keyword. Remodels, broad match, negative keyword, just the word remodels. You never want it. You never want to see it. Um, there's a bunch of search terms like that, like the word best, what, if, how, can, should, where. You just knock them all out because they're, they're navigational, they're informational. Um, info, images, videos, reviews, um, uh, you know, uh, rent, hire, you just broad match negative keyword these out in your negative keyword list. We'll go and look at those in a moment. Um, and that just means that they never come into your into your account, right? Um, because that they're they're not they're not um, commercial search terms. So uh, yeah, you, you just keep. I mean, I can say having looked at your negative keyword list, you've been doing a, a lot of this work. You know, add a fireplace to a house. That's not a once again not not that person's looking for information about how to add a fireplace to a house, right? Once again, they're not buying right now. So you don't want to pay for that, that 
um, sort of um, sort of thing. So, you know, you've got to you've got to keep in keep on always on top of these lists. Um, you know, it can be a bit of work. You know, some markets there's more variation than others, um, but this is part of the management. So, you can probably tighten these up a bit, like get rid of the really generic stuff if you're trying to get your budget under control and drop your bids in this sort of um, campaign. So. Uh, I would say to get your budget under control. Now, if you know, I mean, we can look at like another one. Um, the other thing you could probably think of as well, uh, specifically for this, if you've got a site that has lots of variations on individual products. Sometimes it's not a good idea to add to advertise every single var- put every single variation into your ads um, because a lot of them, look, a lot of these products you know, they're just getting zero impressions, zero clicks, and it just creates a really long list of products. Like look at oh, there's not a single impression on any of these. These are probably all variants on the same product, right? Uh, actually, we've got a lot of empty product groups. So Jesse, uh, you need to come through and clean this up and just knock these out. How you do that? Um, if you change, sometimes if you change things on your site, you have to remember every time you change products or, or variants or things on your site, you have to come in and refresh your Google ads to take those out or put them back in. So if I, you click on edit this Dimplex brand subdivision again, you're going to see where well, there's a one in this column that that's a live product, right? But you've got ones here. There's no product in these and they're still in your ads. So you need to go through and like uncheck these. And, and knock all of these ones out that don't have actually any product in the, in the product group because they're just going to sit in there with, and, and take up space and make it hard for you to manage between the ones that do. But we can see all of these. There are all these different variations. And then there's all these empty ones and then there's more good ones and there's more empty ones, more good ones. So just knock out all the empty ones. And then sometimes what can happen is, see if it happens here, you get to the end of the list. Now you've got all the live ones in, which is good. So you just knock out those and then you would go save without editing bids or continue to edit bids. I'm just going to cancel because I'm not going to make that change for you. Um, so yeah, if you've got products with a lot of variants, sometimes it's not a good idea to get them all into your ads. Um, sometimes you might just want to pick a variant or two that you think are the most popular. If you're unsure of which variants are going to be the most popular, ask your supplier. Say, hey, for this product, I mean, it's got 30 variants. What do you sell the most? Put that in your ads, right? Because the reality is, is that Google's going to pick the, just randomly pick a variant of the same product to show when a relevant search term comes up, unless there is a particular part of that term that's relevant to a particular variant, which usually there isn't. And what if they pick one of the variants that people don't tend to buy of that product or don't buy commonly? And that's where they start sending all the traffic, right? Um, probably you're not going to get as many clicks. Possibly you're not going to get as many sales because you don't get as many clicks on your ads because people see somebody else who's advertising the variant they like in the same window and they click on that person's ad, right? So it kind of, lots of variants on products can, can create a bit of a mess. If it's just one, two, three, four variants of product, don't worry about it. That's fine. Um, but if you've got like 20, 30 variants on a product and, and there are products out there that have that, like, you know, they've got a combination of different finishes, different features, et cetera, that you can order the product with. Um, probably just stick to a handful of variants for that product. Just pick the ones that you think are likely to be the most popular or you have data are the most popular or the supplier can tell you are the most popular and just have those in your feed and not um, the whole list. And you can manage that through your, um, whatever app you're using on your site to submit your feed. So just looking in here again, search terms. Um, you know, we can see that Jesse's been excluding some of them. Um, you know, fireplace should be excluded. Chimenea should be excluded. Um, Chimenea should be excluded. Um, you know, uh, and then fireplaces, you know, they're, they're just too generic. Yes, you are selling fireplaces, but it's too hard to know what that person actually wants to do, what their intent is, what they're looking for out of all the fireplaces in the world. Are they looking for one that you actually have or are they looking for one that you don't even have on your site? What's in their mind? You can't tell. Mantle, knock it out. Um, you know, so you can definitely tighten these up um, a lot further. Um, 
than where you're at here. Obviously, if you're excluding a word, and this is important, I should mention it. If you're excluding a word like fire, fireplace, which is two words, you've already excluded fireplace as one word, you need to do it on exact match, right? So you've got to be careful with your match types on negative keywords. Exact match, because if you do that on phrase or broad match, you're going to exclude terms that you don't want to exclude, like, you know, I don't know, electric fireplace insert, which is a bit more specific, right? So always bear that in mind. You've got to use the right match types. So we're going to get out of this high priority campaign now, just being aware of time. And we're going to go and look in some of these other campaigns and see how we're looking here. So this is the medium priority campaign where generally we try and send um, branded search terms that don't include a specific model identifier um, and maybe really high value generic terms, which is a bit more of an advanced practice. Um, in the beginning, you don't tend to do that. So once again, we're just coming over looking at old uh, Timplex here. Let's look at the search terms that are coming in here and see. All right. So we can see here that, um, you know, this actually looks pretty good. You got, uh, these are mostly all include the brand name. So this is the Dimplex brand. So what you would be doing here is pushing in terms that include the Dimplex into them, which is good. But what I do notice about a lot of these search terms is they include the model number or a model name. Um, and it would probably help if I looked at this on the site so I actually knew a bit more about this brand, not being a fireplace expert um so if we look at what we're targeting here we can see that for dimplex okay so heaters and fireplaces you know dimplex featherstone stone look 61 inch mantle with 28 inch electric fire blocks so for this product it the, what you want in your medium product campaign is somebody who's searching for a dimplex mantle or dimplex electric firebox not any terms that include featherstone that should be in your low priority campaign. Fieldstone, low priority campaign. Revolution, low priority campaign. Um, and then some of those model Optimist Pro 1500, low priority campaign. They shouldn't be in your medium priority campaign. Um, and this is probably one of the reasons why that low priority campaign had such uh, small impression numbers is because half of what's in here should be getting pushed into your low priority campaign right? And here's the next tip for anybody who's watching. Uh, you should never need, if you've got the three campaign things set up with the negative keyword list set up correctly, you should never ever have to exclude anything in your medium priority or low priority campaigns. That's a mic drop and you probably don't even know it, right? If you are setting negative keywords if you're feeling the need to set negative keywords when you're in your medium or low priority campaign, then you are doing it wrong and you have a problem with your setup that you should only see exactly the search terms that you intend to have in those campaigns in those campaigns, right? If you start setting negative keywords in these campaigns, you're going to fuck the system at some point because you will human error, Right? because you can't manage it properly. So uh, over time and, it, and it, as the numbers of search terms get bigger and bigger. So that's a very important thing. If you see search terms in a campaign, in the medium or low priority campaign that you don't intend to have there, do not start setting them as negative keywords and just adding them willy nilly here and there, right? That's not the solution. The solution is, as it always is, not to band-aid over your problems. It's to go and find the problem and fix it, right? So it doesn't happen anymore, right? So um, looking at seeing that Jesse's uh, adding some uh, search to, uh, negative keywords in here by excluding things, um, I think uh, is a bit of an issue. But obviously there's, there's something going on here. So why are these search term showing up in here. Well, we'll go and look at the negative keyword list that Jess is using in a moment. Um, we can go right here and see. Okay, problem. Uh, another problem is that you don't want to be adding all of these negative keywords to individual ad groups. So once again, 
unless you're doing it for a couple of advanced reasons, which you're not at the stage of doing yet on this account, you should not have ad group level negative keywords to push uh, things between campaigns. And the reason why that's a problem is, is because you have to remember to add exactly the same search terms to every ad group and you have to do that one by one. It's extremely inefficient. And the more individual manual actions you have to take in an ad, group, ad, ad account, the more likely you are to mess it up. Human error, one single little human error can cost you money here. Every time you make a little error, it's money always. So you have to find ways of doing things um, that will not cost you money and will decrease the chance of you making some sort of human error. And so storing all of your negative keywords in your negative keyword list instead of at the ad group level is one of the ways that you do that. And trust me, this is speaking from practice of managing hundreds of Google ad accounts and making tens of thousands of mistakes that cost my clients money and getting angry clients. I've learned this the hard way, um, as well as screwing it up in my own accounts and wasting my own money um, a lot. So, um, yeah. We're going to come and look at this, but you shouldn't see these sort of uh, keywords in your in your medium and low priority. There literally is no need for it. So, um, you know, you want to whack these out of here and get them into the right negative keyword list. Uh, if they're in the right negative in the right negative keyword list, then just delete them all together. Um, but coming back in here, what you want to get to is a place where a search term like um, you know, Dimplex Optimist Fireplace. I mean, that should come into your low priority campaign. Uh, something like Dimplex CFP3811GB, which I assume is a is a model number, uh, should be in your low priority campaign. I mean, that's that's one product, right? If a search term applies to one product on your site, low priority. If a search term could apply to more than one uh, product on your site, medium priority. If it's got a brand name in it, right? So Ignite XL74, once again, I would assume that's one one product, low priority. Optimist 40, one product that should go to low priority, um, not medium priority. So that's, um, you know, if I'm not going to go through every ad group in here and see if that's the case, but that's ideally what we're looking for. And then in this medium priority campaign, you should just be left with the branded terms. Once again, I'm probably going to bring my bids down on that to get your budget under control. I'm probably going to bring my bids down. Now, you know, I'm going to come back to like a final problem here. But one of the things you're going to see here is like looking at these, like there's not, um, you know, you'll be saying, well, there's not many clicks here, blah, blah, blah. And the click-through rate is low. Okay, so you're going to be saying, well, why is the click-through rate so low? And that is a problem, right? You don't want low click-through rates. A low click-through rate indicates a few things. Either you're getting the wrong search terms for the products in that, campaign and so people are seeing your ads and they're going that's not what i'm searching for i'm not going to click on that right now that's not the case here because the search terms that are coming in do relate to the brand that's that's in the ads right so we look at some other metrics to work this out search impression share um, and then search absolute top impression share so le less than 10 percent of the time are you like so you think about if somebody searches for one of the search terms in here that's specific to a brand, they're going to see ads from everybody who's selling those products. Right? Every every uh, business that's on Google Shopping, running Google Shopping ads that is selling the Dimplex range of products that's relevant to the search term, they're going to have an ad placed in there and it's, and it's going to get, be like in a list, right? And so you measure first whether you got the impression, which is what your search impression share is. That's telling you that overall for this ad group, 38 percent of the time that a relevant search term was made, as in a branded Dimplex search term, you got an impression. So there's still a lot, lot more traffic in this, right, is what that's telling you. But then this next one, search absolute top impression share, which you have to add in by clicking in columns here, it's showing that you're at the towards the top of the list of advertisers for those search terms less than 10% of the time. So what that's generally telling you is, is when you do get an impression, you tend to be down the bottom of the page right? So if your results are generally down the bottom of the page, your click-through rate is going to be lower because most people will click towards the top of the page. Same for organic search results, for example. So if you see you have a high, higher search impression share, but, but you don't get a good click-through rate, 
Uh, sometimes check your absolute top impression share. If it's very low, that means you're not at the top of the page. You want to see if you can bump that up and that often will increase your click-through rate and get you more clicks from the same impressions. Now, what's the catch for this account though? The catch for this account though is that to do that, you probably you need to bid more. And I've just said you should bid less, right? So um, obviously a reasonably competitive market here. So people are spending higher, amount, click, higher, higher amounts of money on clicks, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm going to come back to that when we kind of wrap this a little bit, right, um, as to exactly what, how you should approach that. Like in some circumstances, you should be clicking more to get more exposure. But if you start bumping up your cost per clicks and you've already got a limited budget and you can't squeeze any more out of that stone yet and bidding more is just going to get you even less clicks because your budget's going to run out, right, every day. So um, the answer to increasing that though is is by bidding more. Um, uh, just... FYIs. All right. So we're just going to jump into the, the um, low campaign here because we haven't looked in there yet and we are getting uh, towards the end of the session. And of course, this is usually... So what we see in here um, is that, I mean, there's there's a decent number of impressions coming into one brand in here and then the rest are like, you know, next to nothing coming in here. Now, sometimes that's the case because some brands just don't get much model-specific searches or they don't have models that have identify model, model names. And so sometimes for brands, um, you know, that can be that can be an, a legitimate issue and you don't, just don't get a lot of that type of traffic. But this is the campaign where your best, best, um, best searches, most likely to convert searches should be coming in. And so you do often see a lower number of total impressions than your other campaigns. That's normal. But once again... Um, I would expect over a 30-day period for some of these brands that you would see more. And that's probably going to be because of the use of negative keywords in the negative keyword lists. So if we go into Dimplex here, just because that's the one we were looking at before, um, you've got higher bids here, which you should for this. That, that's, not, that's not a problem. Although uh, paying $3.50 for one click when your budget is $25 a day um, is a tricky proposition. So if we just look, we see there's not many impressions at all. So we'll see if the search term report gives us anything. Um, so we've got some of the good ones in here, Ignite, XL Bold. These are the ones that you do want to see in here. So, you know, for, for, the, for, the, for the ad groups that we've looked at thus far, you know, that filtering between the three campaigns appears to be working. It's just not working as effectively as it should be. So tools and settings... We're going to go and look at negative keyword lists. Actually, I'm just going to double check. All right. So once again, you got negative keywords set in, in your ad group levels here as well. You don't need those at all, right? So they have no place in there either. You shouldn't need them. You should only get the keywords that you like in here. So negative keyword lists. Now, uh, one for Jesse, way too many negative keyword lists here. It's a mess. Um, I don't. It's really hard for me to even tell what applies to what. Um, I would have I have to sift through all of these individual lists to work it out. Your account should always be clean enough that somebody who knows what they're doing can just walk in and start managing your ads without, and it just makes sense, right? That's what you're looking for. So you should have, if you're a, uh, starting a new account or something like that, for these three campaigns, three negative keyword lists in here, only, only three. One will be your master generic negative keyword list which will apply to all three campaigns. And that will include terms that you never want to show in your ads. So thinking about the ones I was talking about earlier, reviews, best, hire, rent, um, you know, uh, concepts, images, videos, blah, blah, blah. They all go in that because they have no place in any of your three campaigns. And that will be your biggest uh, negative keyword list. Now, negative keyword lists can only get up to 5,000 terms in size. So after a little while, you have to start a second master generic negative keyword list and apply it to all three campaigns. But in the beginning, you'll just, you just need one. Then you have a negative keyword list for your brand names, right? So your brand names like Dimplex, like Broil King, like whatever, right? Just the brand names and that you apply that to the high priority campaign and that pushes those terms into the medium priority campaign. And then you have a third negative keyword list, which includes your model identifiers. So uh, looking back here, 
things like um, Optimist Pro 1500, Optimist Pro 1000, uh, 20 inch Revolution, 25 inch Revolution, Featherston, Fieldston, blah, 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 so on and such forth. Uh, also, model numbers, SKU numbers, which I note that some of these products seem to have, even though we don't see them in product titles here. Uh, they still seem to have them. OptiV Solo, OptiV Duet, you know, Sierra. These are your model identifiers. Ignite XL, you know, you could even put the size in with that, I think, 60 Ignite XL or Ignite XL 60. Um, and so they go into their own uh, negative keyword list, which is applied to the high priority and the medium priority campaign. And that pushes those search terms past those campaigns into your low priority campaign where you've got the highest bid set, right? And so what you should then see in your medium priority campaign should only be terms that you're pushing in from your brand name's negative keyword list. In your low priority campaign, you should only ever see terms that are included in your model identifier or whatever you call it, list. Nothing else should, if it's working properly, nothing else should ever appear in those campaigns except for maybe some very close variants on those search terms, right? So you don't need to set any negative keywords in those campaigns. So we can see here that Jesse's obviously been working away at setting, um, you know, negative keywords for some time. There's a range of different master generic and master negative keyword lists. I would try and kind of consolidate some of these or at least give them, give them a similar naming convention so that you can actually tell what they all do. Um, and then... You know, uh, uh, one like this, which I noticed was in, added to some of your campaigns, um, should be unnecessary. I don't. You you shouldn't have a negative keyword list that pushes that keeps things in the high priority campaign. That shouldn't be necessary. Um, you know, if you don't want them in the medium or low, then set them in the. Don't set them in the medium or low. Like set your medium and low terms so that you don't have to do that. Uh, but looking at brand names once again. Um, you know, so we can see this is applied to the high priority campaign that we were just looking at. Um, and you've got Amand, yeah. So, I mean, this is right. This is good. They're on broad match. So that's how you would do it. Dimplex on broad match is going to push any terms that include Dimplex, the brand name, into the medium priority campaign, which is what we want. Now, sometimes you have to do little variations. You'll find there's little variations. People do misspellings or you know, whatever it is. So sometimes you add a few extra things in here, but I mean, this is, uh, this is that, that one looks fine. Now, the one where I think there were some issues, and I'm going to have to try and find it because I'm not quite sure exactly which one it is, but I'll be looking for, maybe it's this one. I don't know if it's this one. I mean, this is probably, I'd probably actually have to ask Jesse, but this one applies to that. So that this one has model numbers in it. And this is actually not a bad use of model numbers, but it doesn't apply to the medium campaign that's actually running. It applies to a different medium campaign and, and, and just the high that's currently running. So that might be a bit of an error there because a lot of these search terms are not getting pushed through to the low priority campaign. So, you know, they, these are all fine. Broil King Baron 320, but I would also include just Baron 320 by itself. So it doesn't have to include Broil King. Remembering that broad match when it comes to negative keywords works differently to broad match if you're running like search text ads where you're setting it as a positive search term. If it's broad match in as a negative keyword, it still needs to include every single one of these terms together. They can be in a different order but it still needs to include Broil, King, and Baron 320. Now, some people are going to search just for, they're going to go on and they're going to search Baron 320. They're not going to search Broil, King in front of it. They're still looking for the same product. So you always have to think about not like include the model name separately to the brand name. And if you include just Baron 420 on Broadmatch, you don't need to include Broil, King because if the customer searches Broil, King, Baron 420, it's still going to get picked up by if you have just Baron 420. So what you need to do for your model identifiers, particularly in this uh, in this uh, account, because this account is not 
uh, effectively pushing the highest value search terms into the low priority campaign. They're ending up, they're getting lost in other places. Is you need to go through all of the products that you're running ads for and put all of the model numbers in to the negative keyword list and then pull out any sort of variation, like not just with the um, uh, not just with the brand name, but like just the model name by itself. So for this one, for example, I would put DIRP series or DIRP35 or even just DIRP by itself as negative keywords to push that through. Um, you know, this one, I would have Royce mantle or even just the word Royce by itself, unlikely to be confused with another product or Royce 52. Those are all variations I would probably put in. I wouldn't even bother with Dimplex, um, in that particular uh, negative keyword list. So, you know, I talked about some of those already. Um, you know, XHD 26, XHD 23. I'm going to put these in as broad match negative keywords in that, uh, particular negative keyword list. Um, you know, Revolution 42, Revolution 36, Revolution, uh, yeah, well, they're slightly different. I wouldn't worry about that slight difference. Revolution 24, Winslow 48, just Winslow by itself. Uh, Winslow 42, Winslow 36, Sierra, Sierra 72, Sierra, you know, so you've got to go through and do that and you've got to do that for all your products. Um, don't worry about putting like the actual product title in. That's too specific. Nobody ever searches things exactly the way they see on are on your website. The odd person might, but most people don't. So you've got to go through and do that and you need to consolidate all these lists because there's just too many. It's super confusing. I can't even work out which one is the one I'm looking for um, at times here. Um, and so that's um, that means that it's less likely that you'll manage your campaigns effectively. Um if, if that's the case. So those need to be tightened up. Now, going back. So overall, I mean, what do I think here? So I think that, I mean, you're getting in this case, some of the, some of some good search terms are coming in. Um, but, um, there's, uh, a lot that aren't. And what I suspect is happening is because, you know, it's probably a market where bids are a little bit more competitive, um, you know, because it's a big market. In, in North America, right? You know, I mean, it's, it's a big market and, um, you know, there's a lot of people want to make money off that big market. So there's probably some fairly competitive bidding going on as a result. Um, and when you're an advertiser coming in with a smaller budget into such a market um, and you have a lot of products, you've got a fair spread of products here. It can be hard to advertise them all and spread that budget across everything right? So, and, and then to keep that budget under its limit as well means that the, the reality is, is you just can't advertise all those products. Like they're not all going to get the attention they need often to convert. So, in order to do that effectively for in this particular instance, and this is not advice that I give to everybody, but what I would probably be doing here is I would be being selective with the products that I advertise. And I would try to focus my budget onto a smaller group of products um, from my overall product range. Um, certainly not advertising every variant of individual products. Um, and what that's going to do is it's going to focus my smaller budget onto a smaller number of products where I believe for some reason or another that I have a better chance of making a sale. Um, now, that might be because you focus in on best sellers from a brand or you might focus in on products you've sold before or you might get some intelligence from your suppliers about what which products are the best selling products. Um, but you need to do something to focus your budget a bit more because it looks to me like it's just spread too thin and you don't have the ability to be as competitive as you want to be on individual products because you're trying to, because you're running out of budget before you can be super competitive on anything each day because there's so much different stuff. And there's obviously a lot of search traffic out there for some of these products, right? Um, and so probably what's happening a lot of the time is, you know, uh, your high high priority is kind of sucking up the budget or your medium priority is sucking up the budget before the low priority gets any any action. And it's, it's kind of distracting it away. So I think 
you know, there's there's some there's some good search terms coming into these campaigns, which I think would have a chance to convert. Um, it just needs a lot of refinement, if you like. Um, the the campaigns are set up pretty close to how they need to be, um, so that, that's a that's a good thing. Um, but yeah, it's it's just it's not quite all. It's just not quite all coming together, and it's not quite focused now. The other thing to remember as well is what we're what we're really talking about here with ads is, um, and and it would be remiss of me not to mention this when I'm talking about ads. The purpose of ads, because everybody will come to their ads with the thought of, oh, I'm not making enough conversions. I need to do something in my ads, or I'm not selling enough. It's my ads. There must be something wrong in my ads. And we, we for some reason, we tend to get really natural with hanging out in our ads account too much, right? The purpose of ads is to send the right traffic at the right time for the right cost to your website. Notice when I said that, I did not say anything about sales or conversions. Ads in and of themselves do not create sales. They just get the right person to your website so that that person can complete a web a conversion or a sale on your website. So the last point is your website. That's the main area that makes up whether a conversion happens or not. It's not the ad. The ad just finds the right person who uh, potentially could buy something from you. Um, and so, you know, we, we talked about website stuff yesterday, but the, the missing piece here, of course, when we're talking about Google Shopping is that Google Shopping is a comparison shopping engine, right? As in... Google created it so that people could compare products to each other and find the best place to buy a product, right? So when you're advertising on Google Shopping, you are being usually compared to other people selling the same or similar products. So that means that how you stack up within your market is extremely important if you want to make the best of a, of a marketing channel. It's extremely important anyway, but it's even more important, if you like, if you want to make take advantage of a, of a great marketing channel like this. So competition research, understanding your market, understanding who, which customer you're trying to appeal to, and knowing that you're doing that better than your competition for that ideal customer is actually what does the most to maximize your traffic from a traffic source like Google Shopping. Yes, you've got to check that you've got the right search terms coming in. Yes, you've got to check that you're not paying too much for those search terms. So when you do make a sale, it can be profitable. And that's what we've been talking about here. But at the same time, you have to go out and understand your market. You have to map your market. You have to stack yourself up against that. And then you have to do everything that you can to offer a better experience for your customers um, and or to be as unique as you can within your market. We touched on that a bit yesterday when we did the website teardown for this business, but these things are critical and should not be overlooked. Uh, we teach people how to go through all this stuff in Dropship Breakthrough, um, but it's a really big part. It's not just as simple as running ads and staring at your ad account all day. That will not get you the best outcome from your ads as well. Thanks for listening to the Dropship Podcast. You can find all the show notes for this episode at dropshippodcast.com. And if you're ready to take the next step in your dropshipping journey, we invite you to join us inside Dropship Breakthrough, where John and I will walk you through step-by-step -step in starting your own high-ticket dropshipping e-commerce business. But that's not all. Dropship Breakthrough will also teach you everything you'll need to know to grow your business and take it to the next level. So head over to dropshipbreakthrough.com and sign up for our free training that will help you take the first steps towards building and growing your own profitable high-ticket dropshipping business.